Well, good morning, folks. How is everybody doing today? Doing good? Ready for New Year's celebrations? How many of us are just going to go to sleep around 8 o'clock tonight and just wake up? <laughs> Amen. Okay. Hey, listen, uh, if you've got a Bible this morning, uh, turn to Revelation chapter 2. I have the privilege of uh, preaching out of the God's Word this morning and closing out our series that we have been in for, I believe, 13, 14 weeks, the Long Story Short series. So not only do I get to close it out, but I get to finish it off with the book of Revelation this morning. So if you've got a Bible, turn there. As you're turning there, um, I brought with me this morning uh, something I got a couple weeks ago, uh, about a week ago, uh, the playbill. We went to go see the Lion King at Shays. And I know some of you might have gone there too. Um, it was a great, great musical. We'd seen it before, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. Me and Denise went on our anniversary. And so it was nice to go see it again. But uh, I love going to the theater because, one, you get the playbill, right? And inside the playbill, it's got all the, you know, all the information for those of us that like to read, the actors and the musicians and where they're from and what's coming up and all these things. But, you know, when you go to the, when you go to the, the stage, when you go to the theater, you're expecting to get the playbill, right? You're expecting to get this, this program. And there's certain things that you're expecting to happen at the theater when you're there. You know that if you're going to a musical, there's going to be singing and dancing. You know if you're going to see William Shakespeare, you're going to get, you know, the Shakespearean prose or whatever it might be. Or if you're going to some, you know, avant-garde theatrical production, you're going to get some avant-garde production and it's going to blow your mind. And, but you expect certain things to happen when you're at the theater. Am I right? Right? Yeah. You expect certain things to happen. And, uh, and you know, it's kind of funny because in our Christian life, as we think about being followers of Jesus, there should, we should expect certain things to happen also. And as we finish out this series, the long story short, that's really at the end of the day what, what we're coming to. Is what is the long story short? As we've been studying through scripture, as we've been going from Genesis all the way now to Revelation, what are some of those things that we should have expected to see in the word and should we have expected to see in our life played out much like you would in a musical? Now, uh, as I said, we're in Revelation chapter 22, and Pastor Milo, we did a great job last week of, of talking about um, on Christmas Eve service, if you were here, the message was the best day ever. And he talked about how there's just certain days in our life that we'll just always remember. There's certain events, there's certain things that just happen that we'll always remember, and it was the best day ever. And by way of introduction for this morning's uh, message... I want to just do a quick review of some of the things that encompass the best day ever because they play an important role in what we're going to talk about this morning. The best day ever in terms of scripture, one of the best days ever, occurred in chapter 21 of Revelation. And as Pastor Milo spoke about last week, the, Jesus literally comes out of the clouds. You have heaven and earth coming out of the, bursting forth out of heaven, and God literally establishes his kingdom here on earth. Now, if we've got some kids in the, in the audience this morning, I guess the best way to describe this is cloudy with a chance of meatballs. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, you just got food falling out of the sky. Okay, something crazy happened, and we've got food falling out of the sky. Well, in a similar vein... In Revelation chapter 21, the best day ever, the Lord establishes his kingdom 
a new heaven and a new earth are established on earth. And it says in that scripture that God establishes his dwelling place among men. And we see a beautiful thing happening. And so that's where we are now in chapter 22 of Revelation. Listen to what John the Apostle writes. He says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. They will be no more, there will be no more night. There will be no need of light or lamp, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. As, as, like I said, by way of review, the best day ever when the Lord establishes his kingdom on the earth. Did you notice a couple things here in Revelation chapter 22? As heaven and earth burst forth and the new Jerusalem come down on earth. There's some things here as, that we look at that are just straight allusions to um, references to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Did you notice there was a river of life that was flowing from the throne of God? Did you notice there was a tree of life on either side of the river of life? Did you notice that there was healing for the nations? All this imagery that John gives us in the beginning of chapter 22 should call our attention back to Genesis chapter 2, where we are given the, the image and the story of the creation and the Garden of Eden. There's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. However, in Revelation chapter 22, there is no tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's only the tree of life. We see a river that comes from the throne of God. And we see the tree of life. And in fact, as you read this, it's as if there's multiple trees just lining the streets of the river, lining the, the banks of the river. And it's this river of life that's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb that is the source and the nutrients that feeds the tree of life. I want you to keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that a little bit later in our message. The best day ever happens, and we are witnesses to it here in Scripture. But let's move on. Let's get to what we're, what we're really here for this morning. And that's the final chapter of Revelation. You know, as I look back at this playbill here, um, one of the things that's in here is a, the, a list of the cast members. You know, at the, end of the, at the end of the musical, at the end of the drama, what usually happens? All the actors will come on stage. They'll take their bow, maybe one or two bows. And you get a chance to applaud them and their great work that they put into the, into the performance. And so what we see happening here in the scripture is that Revelation chapter 22, beginning at verse 7, I'm sorry, beginning at verse 6, begins the curtain call of scripture. You see, John up to this point has given us the story. He's given us the end of how it all, how it all concludes. God breaks forth out of heaven. And now it's as if Jesus comes and takes his final bow. It's as if Jesus now is going to give us that final moment to just look at him before the curtains go down. And it's as if he's coming to give us a few words to, to listen to so that we can hear what he has to say. And that's exactly what happens. So this morning, as we go through the main body of our text, you have in your bulletin uh, a, um, a pamphlet there that you can write some notes on. And there's three bullet points, main points, that I want to talk about this morning. 
And the first bullet point that we'll talk about is the angel speaks. There's going to be a dialogue that happens between three people, the angel, John, and Jesus. And so this morning we're going to talk about the angel speaking and what he says, the curtain call, if you will, of history and what happens and what is about to happen. Revelation 22.6, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. The angel says a few words here. These words are trustworthy and true. He says that his servant, the angel will show his servants the things that must soon take place. Just as the book of Revelation began where the angel is told that you will see things that will take place, so now once again the angel says, you've seen those things which must take place. The end of the story is upon us. We know how it ends. And now it's time to move on for Jesus to take his final curtain call. Have you ever read a book or seen a movie where as you're, you know that's starting to wind down, you know the story's about to end, and you, you find yourself saying a couple things like, I hope the story doesn't end this way. Or, is the movie really going to end this way? Or, that was the worst ending ever. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself saying that? I know there's, um, if I can bring it into, into today's, time, like 2017, there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there that are like, that was the worst movie ever, okay? The recent Star Wars movie that came out. You know, we think, we read a book, and, or, or you've read a book where the climax, you just, you have, you know, you have to just keep reading more and more. You didn't wish the book ended. Or there was a series of books that just had, you know, five or six books, and you, and you had to just wait for the next book to come out. And you couldn't wait any longer. And uh, that's really what's happening here. The angel is telling John, this is it. The end of the story is upon us. I've spoken these words, they're trustworthy and true, and these are the things that must soon take place. Look no further, it's all happening right here. There's a sense of closure that we have in terms of the book of Revelation, that John has witnessed these things, he's seen these things, and now it's time for Jesus and for the final words of testimony to be given. But there's something else that happens here in this passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. And if you have your fill-in there, you can see that there's a couple of lines there. And that's really what happens here is that the angel gives the testimony of Scripture. If you have your notes, you can write that down, the testimony of Scripture. What do I mean by that? Well, do you see what the angel said? He said, these words are trustworthy and true. You see, the angel at this point is testifying on God's behalf that the words that he has spoken, the visions... And the revelation that John has received from Jesus is true. That, in fact, it's the word of the Lord. Later on, Jesus will testify to their validity. John also will testify to the validity of the words that have been spoken and the visions that have been seen. In fact, this is the third time that this phrase, trustworthy and true, has been used within the book of Revelation. Revelation 21.5 states, he who sits on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Revelation 19.9 says, the angel said to me, these are the true words of God. You know, when, when scripture repeats something, it's important that we pay attention. 
And in this case, it's the testimony of Scripture. That God's word is true. What John has seen, what John has written down, what God has revealed is true. John the Apostle, who we believe wrote the book of Revelation, carries this theme of truth. It's an important thing found through all his scriptures, through all his writings. In fact, he uses, he uses some form of the word truth or truly or truthful or true. He uses that more than any other gospel, more than any other writer in the New Testament. He uses it so many times that if you were to do a search in a concordance, you would find that it's just John, 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 a first John, Revelation. It's always in his text. He uses the, the scripture so many times, and he also refers to the three members of the Godhead using the term of truth. For instance, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 15, John says, the spirit of truth will come, speaking of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning of his book, of, in his gospel of John, John says, Jesus coming from the Father, full of truth. And so there's this sense where John just loves this word truth. And he, he uses it not just as, as a verb, like God tells us the truth, but he uses it as an adjective. God is truth. His very nature is truth. It's who God is. He is the truth. And so you can see here in the book of Revelation when he talks about the words of God being faithful and true, he has special meaning for him. John also loves to, uh, he loves to um, talk about truth and he loves to talk about light. And he likes to put those two together. Listen to what he says in 1 John 5, 6. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the darkness, we do not live by the truth. So he tells us God is light, but then he says if we walk in darkness, we don't live by the truth, which means, I take to mean if we walk in the light, we walk in truth. So he loves to play with this language of truth and light. Uh, one uh, commentator has noted, he said, God is light means that God is the source and measure of all that is true. Nothing is truly understood until it is understood in the light of God. God is light. This is God, this is God the truth. He is the source of all that is true. And whatever is true is true because it conforms to him. Amen. I think that's so true for us. Now, I'll be honest with you. This past week was, you know, after Christmas sales. So I jumped online. And I was so excited because I was shopping online and there was an advertisement for a everything under $10. So I said, oh, great. That sounds my kind of sale. I clicked the link. And you know what happened? I clicked the link, and everything was under $10. It was all $9.99. <laughs> Folks, that's not a sale. That is not a sale. Okay? That is not a sale. When we talk about God being truthful, that's not what we're talking about, the bait and switch. Okay? Matter of fact, put, I have a picture up here on the screen. They're going to put that up here. You'll, okay, if you work at either one of these stores or have anything to do with either one of these stores, please accept my apology. <laughs> Dollar Tree and Dollar General, these are both not, these are not the same. You know this, right? One of these, everything is a dollar in the store, and the other one, everything is whatever price it is, okay? <laughs> We're, 
So when we, again, when we talk about God being truthful, this is not what we're talking about. In Dollar Tree, everything is a dollar. In Dollar General, it's, well, it says right there, $1.25 for a bottle of Pepsi. It's not a dollar, okay? Okay, when we talk about God being truthful, we're talking the Dollar Tree sense. It is, he is what he says he is. He is truthful. He, he is, when we walk in the light of God's truth, he is truthful. He is who he says he is. And I think that's so important for us to remember as we conclude this series on, um, on the long story short. Everything we've read about, everything we've studied, and we've we considered about God is truthful. And I pray that as, as uh, the pastoral staff, we've represented that in God. There is no hidden agenda in God. And as we, are we prepared to close out this message this morning, it's the same thing. That the long story short before us and trusting God that his word is true and that he says and does what he says he will do and who he says he will be. All right, you can take that picture off so people don't get distracted the rest of the sermon by Dollar Tree. All right, thanks, guys. Since God's the author of ultimate truth, it's important that we understand what the Bible tells us about our relationship with him. Because, indeed, we do want to walk in his truth. We want to walk in the light of who he is. This is what the angel tells us. Next, we, um, we see that John speaks. That's your second bullet point. John speaks. And I will say I'm going a little bit out of order here because I want to make Jesus the last one to speak. So you'll notice that we jump at just a few verses ahead to Revelation 22, verse 17 through 19. But next, Jesus speaks. And what does Jesus have to say? As we close out this message series, what is it that Jesus wants us to hear? Well, Jesus, Revelation 20, but most importantly, Revelation 17, 22, verses 17 through 19 Jesus gives us some very important words here. I'm sorry, John, not Jesus. John says in verse 17, The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I love how John here relates the return of Jesus to the need for us to drink from the water of life. You know, after just considering, considering John and who he was and what he experienced in his life, what he saw, the persecution he went through, um, I, I really, I mean, I, I'm thinking John, John really understands what it means to need Jesus in his life and what it means to drink from the living water. Can you, can you put yourself in John's shoes this morning? He was a guy who walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus minister to people. You know, the Bible tells us that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. So there was, there was just this relationship that they had where they, um, where they loved serving together. He witnessed Jesus' love firsthand towards the sinner. It was John who um, was given Mary, Jesus' mother. John was at Jesus' side for his ministry. And to think now, as John is seeing this revelation of Jesus and his splendor, and his glory. You know, John is like, come Lord Jesus. Come and redeem this fallen world. This is what we have to look forward to, is Jesus ruling and reigning. It's kind of like Christmas. You know, we still have some of the Christmas uh, decorations up. All right, there's something that happens during Christmas when we see poinsettias, and we see Christmas trees, and 
and we're baking things and we're in the stores and we hear music. There's something that just happens to us, right? It, it does something within us that just gives us that, that, that feeling of Christmas and there's just this peace and there's just joy that happens. You know, and we wish that that could be like all year round in our life. And for John, this is the same, same thing. I was with Jesus. I live with Jesus. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come. But John also gives us a warning. And this is your next fill-in. The warning of Scripture. Listen to what he says in Revelation 22, verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. You know, a lot of times we don't like to think of Scripture as warning us. We like to see the love and joy that's in Scripture. But this is a, one of those passages of, of God's Word where we are warned against adding or subtracting, particularly from the book of Revelation, but I think in generally from all of Scripture. We are warned against adding or taking away from what God has told us. Specifically in this passage, John says, if you add to this book, the plagues described in this book will be given to you. If you look through Revelation, the plagues that occur are God's judgment on people. And so we have to be careful that we don't bring God's judgment by adding to God's word. He says also that you will be taken away from the tree of life, from the holy city. Again, as God comes down out of heaven, the tree of life, the holy city, God's presence, heaven, that's, at, that's what's at stake. Missing out on what God has promised for eternity by adding to his word. And this is unfortunately what has happened throughout Christian history, throughout world history, where people have added to God's word, they've taken away from God's word. You know, what I find interesting here is that John in this passage, among any other passages, he is speaking with such authority and quite literally on behalf of the Lord, saying that, God's word is important. What I am writing, what I am revealing to you is God's word. And this is not the only time that this happened. This has happened multiple times in Scripture. Um, Paul talks in Timothy where he refers to the gospel of Luke and he refers to it as Scripture. So there's something within the New Testament where we know it's God's word. And if I could just for a moment this morning talk about this book that we hold in our hand, the Bible, particularly the New Testament. You know, many times we take for granted that the, the Bible that we hold in our hand uh, didn't just one day fall out of the sky. You know, multiple authors wrote the Bible over hundreds of years. It was orchestrated by God. But it's interesting to see how that happened. Some of you to this morning may not be aware that the scriptures, particularly the New Testament that we hold in our hand, it wasn't until about the middle of the 4th century, about 367 A.D., where the New Testament that we hold in our hand was actually, I guess the, the word we could you describe it as is, uh, is formulated. This, this, this word just didn't drop out of the sky, but as men wrote, as men were inspired, as the church throughout history understood and realized that these were inspired writings, they were collected. And in 367 A.D., this, this, this collection of letters... Gospels and writings that we have here as the New Testament had been established. 
It wasn't as if a council of people came together and said, this is God's word and this is what we will believe. But it was um, as the church needed, uh, needed texts to teach from and as they understood what was inspired by God. As I've already mentioned, as Paul said, referring to one of the gospels as scripture, putting it on par with the Old Testament writings. And so this passage of Revelation where we are told not to add or take away from God's word is so significant because we do believe that these uh, books of the New Testament are inspired, that God orchestrated men and inspired them to write these books. And over a 300-year period, these were collected. And this is what we have in our hands today is God's word. We don't have time today to go through every individual involved, but if you are interested, I encourage you to, to read and to look into how the, the New Testament scriptures were, were put together. And you'll be, you'll be in, you'll be, it's an exciting thing to, to read about um, how over a 300-year period, God's word was put together for us and what we have here. Apologist Don Stewart writes in referencing adding and taking away from God's word. He says, while theoretically it is possible that God could add something to what he has previously revealed, it is highly unlikely that this would be the case. The faith has already been delivered to mankind. Any further word from God to man is not necessary. The canon of Scripture is complete. Amen. As we think about Revelation here and we think about the warning, all throughout Scripture we are given warnings about listening and not listening to God's word. And John just falls right in line with that same concept of making sure his readers understand the gravity of what they're listening to. Notice in Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. Through 18, 19, and 20. That the warning given to his readers is in relation to Jesus coming. And this is our third point this morning. When Jesus speaks. What does Jesus say to us this morning? Jesus says... I am coming soon. Revelation 22, 7, verses 12 through 16 and verses 20. Jesus three times in this passage of Scripture, in this last book of the Bible, tells us three times, I am coming. Again, if we think something's important, it's because it's repeated. And Jesus repeats the fact that he is coming soon three times. You know, there's a lot of debate today about how this end times will play out. How will it all come to an end? How will um, the millennium occur? Is it before? Is it be after? The rapture of the church? All these things people will debate on. But the one thing that we all agree on is that Jesus is coming back. You may not agree on the timing, but the Bible says Jesus is coming back. And so when Jesus says here three times, I am coming soon, there's something that we need to listen to. There's something that we need to understand. And isn't it ironic that Jesus has to say three times, I am coming, when already in chapter 21 of Revelation, we've seen him come, burst out of the clouds and establish the kingdom. It's almost as if, in case you forgot what happened in chapter 21, I'm coming soon. In case you forgot what I just said and what you just saw, I'm coming soon. Again, again, here's that sense of closure that we have to the Scripture. 
The dwelling place of God where Jesus comes is now with man. Just as it was in the Garden of Eden, so it will be at the end of the world. At the end of all recorded history, Jesus will walk among his people and we will have fellowship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul dedicates the book of Thessalonians to encouraging his believers to be faithful in light of Jesus' return. And in a 2018, we're as a, as a church, we're going we're gonna to study the book of Revelations. That's one of the things, I'm sorry, the book of Thessalonians. That's one of the, one of the books that we have uh, scheduled to go through as, as a sermon series is the book of Thessalonians. And I think it's so important. I'm excited we're going to do that because there's just an encouragement in knowing that Jesus is going to redeem all things and we have to look forward to his coming and to his return. You know, the return of Jesus should not come as a surprise. Jesus' words here that I am coming soon should not come as a surprise. In Matthew 24, Jesus spends a whole chapter, he spends multiple chapters telling his disciples and listeners, I am coming. And when I come, these certain things are going to happen. He uses many illustrations about two people being in the field and one will disappear and, and kings and kingdoms will, will run scared because of all the things that happened. But amidst all that, I am coming soon, Jesus says. I am coming soon. Now, in our language of today, I have with me my cell phone. And, um, you know, if I, were to, if I were to open up my text and text Denise this morning, three simple little, little uh, letters here, BRB. Does, do we know what that means, BRB? Be right back. For those of you that aren't tech savvy, Okay, because writing be right back is too long, I'm just going to write BRB. Okay, are, we, am I, are you learning something today, I hope? Okay, okay. Or I could say, on my way, O-M-W, O on my way. Okay, there's all these little, little uh, like acronyms, right? We're going to be BRB. Well, you know, Jesus is going to be right back. You guys know that, right? He's coming right back. Matter of fact, if you don't believe me, you can, take, you can buy this shirt online right here. You can buy that shirt of Jesus saying BRB. Or you can get this one. Uh, you can get that one, okay? Uh, I didn't make these up. You can actually buy these online, okay? This one is my favorite just because he's kind of cool and stuff. Um, <laughs> okay, this is the part of my sermon where I said I was going to get fired to my wife and to my mom. Okay. Um, but, you know, if we put that in today's vernacular, right, Jesus says, I'm coming back. I'm coming soon. Okay, now I expect every one of you, if you have a cell phone, to text BRB to somebody you know now and think about Jesus every time you do that, okay, because the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back. All right, we can have a little fun with that because that's what God's Word says. Jesus is coming back. What is the long story short as we think about what, what we've read this morning in the text? Well, the long story short is that as followers of Christ, we need to walk in the light of God's truth and in expectation of his return. Let me say that one more time. The long story short is that we should walk in the light of God's truth and in expectation of Jesus' return. You see, that's how the story ended. That's how the story began in Genesis. God walked amongst the garden with his people. And that's how the story is going to end. God's going to walk amongst his people. 
And the Bible says he will be our God and we will not need a temple, we will not need a sun, we will not need a moon, but we will see him for who he is and we will worship him. Do me a favor and just turn back to the beginning of Revelation chapter 22. As our band comes up this morning and we begin to close our service. John says in Revelation 22, The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. And then we read that that river of life that's flowing is in fact what is giving nutrients to the tree of life. And it's the tree of life whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. The river of life being, being planted by the river of life. If you've got your Bible open, turn with me to Psalm 1 as we think about what this means for us today. Because I think this is what John is referring to when he talks about this river of life. Clearly he saw that in his vision. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, if you haven't heard anything I've said this morning, listen to what verse 3 says. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. In less than 12 hours, we will welcome the new year. And you may be running around trying to find what your new year's resolution is. It's right here in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. This is this morning the long story short. This is the conclusion of our series. This is the conclusion of our year. Be a follower of Jesus Christ who plants yourself by the living water who is nourished by God's word, who does not sit and who does not fellowship with sin, but instead rejoices in being prosperous in Jesus Christ. I think that's safe to say that's a prayer that many of us have. And today is the day where we can say, God, that's how I want to live. That's how I want to live. You know, when, when I go back to my playbill here, you know, it tells me the story of some of these actors. It tells me the stories of who they are. And the most important thing is that their name is in this book. Their name is in here. They are part of the production. This morning, you are part of the production. You are part of God's story. He created you. Whether you're a follower or not, he created you. And he wants you to have a relationship and to have fellowship with him. Why not take the time today to put your name in the playbill and to say, I'm a part of the story. I want to walk with God. I want to plant myself besides the river of life. And I want to be prosperous and I want to grow 
And I want to be one who honors God and who blesses God. Maybe that's you this morning. My encouragement is to wait no longer, but to say, yes, Jesus, that's what I want in my life. That's how I need to live my life. That's who I need to be. The long story short, we should walk in the light of his truth in expectation of his return. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for this time that we can be gathered together. Thank you for this moment that we have to open your word. Thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy who has sustained each life in here, whether they know it or not, through all of their life. Lord, this morning I pray as we close the books on 2017 and as we open the curtain on 2018 that we would be people who would seek after you, that we would be people who plant ourselves right there at the river of life so that you would help us to grow and so that as we prosper, others would be blessed through our life, God. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the series that we've been able to go through. And I pray this morning that you would have your will and your way in each person's life that's here and that you'd be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.